Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. You know, there are just so many aspects of law. We always get into the details, and uh, each time we have a conversation, we, we can kind of spiderweb out into different directions, uh, and that's true as we have our discussions here on criminal law in particular. Um, and we try to kind of simplify things and uh, make terms a little easier to understand. Um, that's what we do when we gather each month, uh, along with uh, noted criminal defense attorney James Dore of Lavelle Law. Uh, he's helped us in the past. He's going to help us again today. Uh, this is Jim Mitchell, and uh, today we're going to look at uh, not necessarily proving guilt or disproving guilt, but looking at the intent or lack thereof of the defendant. And um, James, as I, I went through the notes and we talked a little bit, there's a lot of common terms we might hear. Some will come up today, but um, I think, as I said, we're going to have to rely on you to kind of guide us through this if you're up for that task today. Yeah, I think so, Jim. I, I think this will be okay. We. You know, we don't want to get bogged down in too many details, but we can talk about some broader concepts. Because, again, you know, we, we talk about a lot of things that affect the, the fairness of process, and it's, it's just one of those concepts that, you know, it's kind of a, a long and established in, in common law. And, uh, you know, I think it goes to, to fairness and appropriate levels of, of punishment. So I think we'll be okay. Okay. Well, let's see. You mentioned, you know, referring to common law, which we've done in the past, and some of the uh, pillars of law even before you know we started in this country um, with our constitution and there's a term I saw floating around uh, mens rea which I think is uh, if I'm saying that right is is one of the original formation points um, for intent where, where do we start with that right well it, mens rea it's a simple principle and that's basically that a person's intent while committing uh, a criminal offense should determine the appropriate level of punishment so um, over time, these have been common law principles. These have been adopted by legislatures, and they, they have been codified. And this is something that's built into our jury system. You know, that ultimately, you know, jurors are are the connection between us and, and the criminal justice system, the public's involvement. And one of those things that, you know, it, like anything else we talk about in the criminal law, where it's a prosecutor's obligation to prove certain elements during a case. That's one of the things that the juries would determine. Did the prosecutor prove the element? If, if uh, intent is one of those elements that needs to be proven, did they prove that as well? So that's where that public gets involved on a very basic level on that. And, and do prosecutors approach different types of, of crimes or charges um, more aggressively in terms of intent? I mean, uh, uh, are you more likely to find intent in a, uh, say, a burglary as opposed to uh, an auto accident or something along those lines, uh, or an auto uh, citation of some sort? Uh, certain things lend themselves to to a, a intent evaluation. Right, right, and this, you know, intent, like we just talked about, with the, can determine a level of punishment. If there's a, a certain conduct, and if prosecutors think that that conduct was a little more aggravated based on the intent. So say, here's a good example of uh, a battery. A battery is more of a general intent crime. If you really just need the intent to hit somebody. You don't necessarily need mm-hmm. to intend the result. So somebody could be, you know, uh, uh, it could be great bodily harm or somebody's really, you know, hurt in a, in, 
in that sort of fashion, or it could be a hate crime or somebody's motivated by, you know, racial bias or, you know, religious bias, whatever. So the intent there would, would make it a more serious crime. And, yes, the prosecutors would have to look at that, and they would have to be able to prove that extra level of intent. So say in a hate crime, they would not have to prove that just a battery existed, which is already in a, a crime uh, in the books, but that this was a separate, you know, it was more, uh, uh, more culpable action because of a higher mental state uh, to commit that hate crime. So you know, prosecutors would have to prove that. They would have to ask those questions, Jim, and, and have to have the answers to that to present to a trier of fact. And, and obviously, you you work on the other side uh, of the aisle there, as opposed to a prosecutor in in the defense realm. But what what's the what burden does the prosecutor hold then to prove intent? And is that something uh, again on, on in your role as a defense attorney that um, you can kind of force them to have to do? I mean, it, it's, it's got to be kind of more difficult to prove intent as opposed to actually committing the act itself. Well, right, and. and, and um, you know, putting in those terms, it's as a defense attorney, we're looking at, at ways uh, uh, to attack that prosecutor's case, and an element that must be proven in certain cases. Uh, you know, if it's a if it's a uh, um, you know specific intent sort of crime, then they have to prove that element of intent just like they would have to prove any other element of that case, and present uh, proof to the jurors for the jurors to make that decision. So yeah, that could be a very difficult thing for for prosecutors to prove. Um, you know, what is the difference between say, you know, a bar fight here or one that's motivated by a hate crime? You know, they they they're they're choosing to prove a a, a higher crime, one that's punishable by a greater length in you know in jail or whatnot. Um, so they should have to prove that. And you know, that's a lot of times when we talk about motive. Motive is a way to prove intent, you know, if somebody, you know, it, it's something for jurors to grasp onto, like, oh, he, he must have been doing, you know, had the intent to carry this out because he was motivated by this reason, this factor. And you mentioned uh, earlier, I, I'm jotting down notes here as we're going, so I'm going to kind of jump back and forth a little bit, but you mentioned general intent, um, and I've seen the terms general and specific intent. Um, is that just different categories and classes of crime that, uh, uh, that would uh, fall into this evaluation as to you know what sort of intent went into an action. Right, right, exactly. Uh, it could be you know a specific intent to reach a specific goal, or as we would say, there's a general intent. Um, you know, there was uh, you know, not that specific intent that was that is required. Um, you know, under a statute. So yeah, it's a way of referring to it, Jim. Um, mm-hmm. And there's other you know levels thinking about there like. Uh, people can be responsible criminally for, you know, uh, actions that they didn't even mean to, but if they're acting recklessly or negligently, you know, that could be another, you know, level of culpability, um, you know, in, in charging cases. Well, we're uh, conversing with uh, Lavelle Law Attorney James Doors, we do each month here, and he's, he's been at this for a couple of decades now, protecting the rights of defendants, and uh, for several years has been here sharing his knowledge with us each month on liberty and the law. Um, and there are really some great conversations that we've had, so go back and review those by visiting LavelleLaw.com or here on Blog Talk Radio, even iTunes. You can download all these discussions. Um, and uh, James always takes his time to kind of explain all of these things to us in, in great detail. Um, now, I, I as, uh, as your partner here, James, always refer to my sort of 
lack of knowledge of the law, and, and that's why I count on you. But what about a defendant? Is is ignorance of the law uh, an excuse, and is that anything that um, uh, a defendant can rely on in, in cases? Well, it, 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 ignorance is often not an excuse for uh, all criminal responsibility, but it could be uh, a use as a factor to lessen the culpability if you didn't know that your actions were, you know, illegal per se or something like that. So, but generally, not knowing something is is uh, uh, unlawful. It won't it's not generally a defense. But sometimes it can be. It's one of, like one of those weird areas that we're going to look for in, in, in terms of defense. We're going to see because, again, the prosecutors have to prove you know, their case beyond a reasonable doubt mm-hmm. and depends on what the level of intent is required. So, um, again, we were talking about general intent. We know that you know, it just requires the doing of a wrong act. So for our client, we're going to be treating it you know, thusly. But if it's a specific intent crime or one that we – you know, we think the prosecutors may have overcharged, then we're going to be careful about how we interview that client and, you know, looking, you know, keeping an eye towards what the charges are and what our likely defenses are going to be. If it's an intent, if that's one of the elements that's at issue and we have a legitimate basis to challenge it, that's going to be essential to the to the defense. Uh, is, is cause and effect uh, a factor? And by that, you know, does... Does the defendant, uh, their knowledge of, of the potential outcome of their action uh, help show intent for a prosecutor's case? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, when we talk about evidence presented to a jury, and they can consider circumstantial evidence, you know, evidence that, that naturally and logically flows from, from certain events. So, yes, it's something that can certainly be, be factored in and considered by a jury. And, and when you're talking to a jury, um, how do you go about trying to sway them in terms of intent? And, and you mentioned, of course, uh, fairness in, in sentencing. And many of these cases, it's, it's not a question of what happened. It's a question of what the punishment's going to be. So um, what's your approach to trying to make sure that um, whatever sentence might be handed down is, is reasonable uh, relative to the action that took place? Yeah, Jim. You know, I don't know if there's a there's a one answer that, that fits off for that one, but just keep, you know, I do treat it as a, as, a, as an element that must be proven by the prosecutors, and it, you, you know, you don't know what the fact is going to be. I mean, it's hard to say now talking to you, but whatever that is, when we do our review of the case, we're gonna we're gonna know those factors that we think are should be presented to the jury. Okay, saying hey, you need to consider this. Um, you know, he. Our client was motivated by, you know, this rather than this other, you know, act over here. So say, for example, um, somebody's driving with a suspended license, okay? We know that that action, you know, the very act of driving with a suspended license is unlawful, okay? Now, let's say that somebody had just been suspended because they didn't get their license renewed. So it's really just an expired license. Well, that's a separate kind of thing than somebody who's intentionally driving on a uh, on a license that they know is suspended, and let's say somebody has lost their license, and they choose to drive for a selfish reason. Okay, um, I drove myself to the bar after my license was suspended for DUI. Okay, that's going to be much more you know aggravating behavior than if say I was driving just to get to work, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I lost my license but I had no choice. Or let's say you're driving to 
take your wife to the hospital who's having a baby, okay? Now, one of those factors is going to be clearly the one I'd rather present to the jury, which is, yes, he was motivated by taking his wife to the hospital, clearly a selfless act, okay? The one I don't want to say to the jury is he was going to the bar, even though he knew his license was suspended. So those would be a good example of what, what I'd like the jury to hear under certain circumstances. Well, take me back even a step further uh, before you get in front of the jury when uh, uh, the, the uh, defendant perhaps is arrested. Um, you and I have often talked about in different circumstances how much to share or not share with the arresting officer. Um, as you get to work with a client, do you try to restrict anything being shown or shared with the prosecutor that could start to show some form of intent? Do you have some ability to kind of restrict some of that information? Well, I mean, anybody facing a criminal prosecution has the right to consult with a lawyer. They have the right to remain silent. Um, you know, with these things we're talking about, Jim, I'm not trying to prevent the truth from coming out. I want to make mm-hmm. sure that when a defendant tells his story, he does so in, in the in most productive manner. So, you know, but subject to being interrogated in the police station where, you know, there's nobody watching out for his interests, I don't think is in my client's best interest. So... You know, we certainly can talk to the police. There's nothing preventing us from doing so, and we have mm-hmm. with my clients several times. But, again, it's it's a way of positioning yourself uh, uh, to best defend a case. And this is my well, clients uh, I'm gonna what put, I'm supposed to do. I'm going to put you on the spot. We've got about a minute left. And, you know, sometimes uh, I consider the different audiences that might be listening to these podcasts, and, and I think based on the content they, they may vary. But I'm thinking today about, uh, in particular, about uh, – uh, law students, uh, future attorneys, young attorneys, um, who have to kind of understand this concept. So if, if you wanted to talk to them about uh, intent, how it factors in, what would be the one or two key takeaways that they should know about this topic? Well, the key takeaways are, are what is the level of intent in the, in the crime being prosecuted. Uh, make sure that the prosecutors can actually prove that, as with any other element of the crime. And make sure you interview your clients Sit down, take the time, talk to them. Um, don't rely on police reports. Don't rely on other things like that. Take the time to talk to your client. Find out what's going on. Well, um, we appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Uh, James Doerr of Law is here, and uh, you can reach him for more information, 847-705-7555, and uh, always at LavelleLaw.com for more information. Uh, James, thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll talk to him each and every month. And, again, LavelleLaw.com. Find any of our past conversations. There's many of them there. Uh, Take some time to enjoy those, and we'll look forward to talking to everyone on our next edition. Thanks for being here.